0: You know, I don't know uh, much about Cal Ripken other than his record that he broke, and he seems to be a pretty genuine guy, and he's got some pretty amazing eyes, too, you know. do you see those eyes? I heard a couple of you gals swoon when you saw those eyes there. Um, but I, I, I do know that there is a, a, a passage in the first half of the Bible that, that relates to his accomplishments. Um, It's when um, the Jews were in captivity and they were coming back to Jerusalem. And one of the returns was under a guy named Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel came back to build the temple, rebuild the temple that Solomon had built. And so Zerubbabel comes back and um, Zephaniah writes in chapter four, or Zechariah, excuse me, writes in chapter four uh, about what's happening there. Now, um, if you i of to put it in perspective here. Solomon built this incredible temple. Just massive, beautiful thing. And it was destroyed. And Zerubbabel's coming back to rebuild. And uh, there's a sense uh, in which um, they were, like many of us, a bit cynical. You know, looking at Zerubbabel and going, come on, dude. What's up? You know, um, but God chastises him through this, uh, this prophetic word when he says, do not despise. In, in verse 410 of Zechariah, in verse 14, he says, do not despise small beginnings. And I'm sure the first, second, third day when Cal passed 1,000, even when he passed 2,000, it's like 130 you know, in his uh, windshield, not in his rearview mirror anymore. You know, day in and day out, that uh, consistence strategic obedience in the same direction. Uh, God really encouraged Zerubbabel and the Jews to, to understand that, that small beginnings are, are where it all starts. You know, we began a couple of weeks ago just uh, challenging you to, uh, to pick up one of these magnets and begin to focus in on the eight houses that exist around you, just small beginnings. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know about for you, but it's been a, a bit discouraging for Candy and I because in this midst of this, we discover things about our neighbors. One neighbor uh, has just gone through a bout of cancer. We know nothing about it. And it was just like, ah, oh, what an opportunity we missed by waiting so long. But okay, we, we, we've, we've remade, re- reconnected and, and, and began that process. Uh, we, we talked about time and attention last week. The idea that loving your neighbors is giving them time and attention, showing up and being curious uh, with them. And today we're talking about overcoming the fear factor. And I just want to finish today with just a couple of of thoughts about what it's like to overcome the fear factor, because we do live in a very divisive world. Um, We we live in a world that, that... People take stands and, and uh, find sides to be on and then lob hand grenades back and forth at one another uh, in, in very hurtful and in very painful ways. And I'm sad to say that people who, who identify with Christianity have been right in the middle of that and, and been a, a, as active uh, in it as, as anybody else. And, and it hasn't done... Anything to help answer the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. He said, you know, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. And so the idea here is, is that where you live, learn, work, and play, by your presence there, you need to think about, Am I? is it more like heaven and less like hell here because of my presence? Now, it takes a couple of things for that to happen. One is you've got to have a connection to God. You've got to have a connection to God, not as a creator, not to sit in here and hear one of these massive cracks of thunder that may happen in just a few moments, Father, you could have made one happen just then. No, <laughs> um, and just think, there's this power, this you know, this this Creator God is like. Everyone has that relationship with God. We're born and made in His image. We all have that kind of relationship. But there is a very unique relationship with God that exists for those who want to accept the gift. John 1:12 says, "You get the right to become the child of the Father in heaven when you begin to trust Him. When you start believing, what He says is true. More true than what you feel, more true than what you think, more true than anything else. What he says is true. That connection is like the beginning of understanding. And so when that happens, you begin to be that change agent in your family and in your neighborhood and your workplace. You have this opportunity to to tap into a different type of resource than you've, you've had before. And you also need a connection with other people. You, you need your neighbors. I mean, I think you heard a genuine story from Rachel and Michael about what it looks like to invest and get this return on investment. Their lives are richer and better because of their investment. There's a passage that, that is near and dear to my heart. I, I, it's my favorite passage in the entire Bible. It's in Luke 15, and Jesus there tells three stories. All three stories have the same point to them. Uh, Jesus was a great educator. I mean, he 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 understood, you know, that people need to be reminded more than they need to be informed. And so he tells these three stories: one about a lady with ten coins; she loses one, she leaves the nine, and goes finds the other. A guy with a hundred sheep; he loses one. He leaves the 99 to go find the one, and then a father with two sons, and one goes away. But what, what, what really stands out to me in this passage, the, 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 to me, the sort of moment that starts to change my life and my understanding about my neighbors uh, is a relationship to the father as he sees his son. Uh, many of you know the story. It's uh, the prodigal son. You may have read the book by Henri Nouwen, *The Return of the Prodigal*. A, a great, um, just a great time to sit in this passage. It relates to Rembrandt's painting of *The Return of the Prodigal*, that that sits um, in in a Saint Petersburg and huge, huge nine-foot painting that is there in a museum. But I, I love the passage. I, I just love the phrase, I guess, not even the passage. Um, in verse 20. Uh, first, we, we, we tells us that the, the son came to his senses and started to go back to his father. So the son had gone off and spent his father's wealth that he'd given to him and screwed it up and just really pissed away his entire life. He was just lower than a snake's belly and that kind of stuff. And so, But this phrase... This phrase affects me and how I see my neighbors. It says, but while he was, he being the son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his sons, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now Jesus is telling this story to paint a picture for you and I about our father in heaven now think about this for a moment if you've ever had a child that's left or you've ever had a broken relationship with anyone and they've gone away um, and and it's been repaired um, were you waiting around for that relationship to be repaired you know maybe today We wouldn't see people from a long way off. Maybe today we would have our phones out and constantly refreshing our our text or our email to see if they're gonna email us and reconnect or something. I mean, did this father just hit the lottery and pick one day that he he thought his son might return and was looking on the horizon and lo and behold, wow, winning ticket, my son's coming home. I, I don't think so. I think this this verse in the Bible tells us that the father was consistently looking on the horizon for his son to return. That that his pain was for his son. He wanted his family back together. And daily, he looked out on the horizon. Maybe it was in a, a chair on the front porch. You know, and he, he's just looking. He doesn't have a ring doorbell to, you know, look at the videos on or anything. His heart, his eyes, his whole being is focused on that son returning. You see, I, I think that one of the keys to falling in love with our neighbors is understanding the heart of our father in heaven. His heart aches for his family to be back together. And when we fall in love with that problem that God has, we we begin to be transformed because we discover that our Father in heaven, his largest, his biggest, his greatest, whatever adjective I can find there is to recollect his family. And so the opportunity that you and I have to overcome this fear that we have of, of getting to know our neighbors it is not about the fact that God has called us to be salesmen for Jesus. He really hasn't. He's called us to be lover of people. He 's called us to have the same heartache that he has for people to return and take advantage of what it means when people in John 1 when I just quote a few minutes, when they get the right to become the children of God, and so you discover. Marriages can be healed when they they begin to understand the most important passage in the Bible about marriage. You know, oftentimes, because some of us, some of us are over-churched, you know what I'm talking about? Some of us are over-churched. And and so we think that, you know, if they would just uh, get their marriage in line according to the The rules in the Bible, the the husband is a leader and the wife is submissive, all that kind of stuff. We, get that right. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, the most important passage in the Bible about marriage is found in Philippians 2. Let us consider one another as more important than ourselves. Oh, my gosh. How does that change a marriage? When a husband looks at a wife and considers her more important than himself. When a wife looks at a a husband and considers him more important than herself. Radical, radical transformation in a relationship. We give up this 50-50 thing and all of a sudden there is a total surrender to one another. And things radically change. But it takes a connection with the father to make that happen. You know, we have to come to understand that if we don't die before we die, we'll never live. If we don't die before we die, if there's not a sense of death to ourself, not a sense of giving up all this stuff that I want, I need, I feel, all that kind of stuff, that black hole of desire and black hole of expectation we have, we die before we die, and all of a sudden, we start to live. And it changes us, and it changes the way we see people. They're not a project. They're just people to love and get to know, and all of a sudden, when we expose our narrative and life to them, they begin to see that, that Jesus really does make an impact. When we relate to him as our Father and his heartache is our heartache, things start to change, and people get to see that. Not us as perfect people, but us as a mess. Not us as sort of Christians, but people are just trying to follow Jesus, just trying to figure out what it looks like to connect with the grand designer of this universe and find the meaning and purpose in life that he taught us that we could have through being his child. But oftentimes, overcoming that fear means that we have to face it. We have to live with it, not deny it. You know, courage is, is not being controlled by fear, but it's being fearful and courageous at the same time to move forward. And so I, I'm wondering today what it looks like for you. I want to give you one more tool, one more tool in your tool kit to be able to understand. We, you know, we talked about, you know, having this little card and, and relating to your neighbors and knowing things on a regular habit, getting to fill out, and I just have to say those really cool pens don't work very well uh, that I talked about last week because they rub off, Um, but uh, getting to know things about each neighbor on a regular basis. But this week, I'd like to encourage you to think about what it would look like to prayer walk your neighborhood. Now, prayer walk is a Greek word, uh, it's made up of two really difficult words to understand. One is called prayer, and the other is called walk. Now, if you look in the ancient text, you'll discover that prayer means talking to God, and walking means using your feet to move around. Thank you for the. <laughs> Get the... It's uh, simple. Uh, if you want to go out and and grab one of these from Love Where You Live, the little door out there. there. There's a sheet for those of you that still work with analog type things. You want to read it. For those of you that in the digital world, it's on our app <clears throat> under the, I want you to be in my neighbor space there. And opportunity to understand what would it look like to get your eyes up in your neighbor, just walk around and pray for people. What do you pray for? Well, there's great ideas here about how you pray. You get out in space and you pray in place where you want to love and you just simply walk around and begin to ask God to connect with you and your neighbors in your neighborhood or in your workplace or in your school or if God has called you to some other part of this city some other particular ethnic group in this city To get into their space and to walk around and just talk with God about what you see, what's going on there. It is a great piece. For those of you that want another piece for your neighborhood, if you've not seen blesseveryhome.com. blesseveryhome.com. I think Rob mentioned it the first week As you begin to look at that website, it just becomes a a way to engage your neighbors and to pray for them by name and ask God to bring heaven to earth in their lives. It's what he's called us to do. It's why he has drawn us into his family so that we can go find our brothers and sisters who've not yet connected to our father and give them the great privilege of living with the resources in this world that we are living with but it takes a connection with the father it takes getting his heart in our eyes and when his heart Gets in our eyes, we see things radically different. We start to see the world that He has built. Not through our needs and our wants and our desires and all the other stuff that's going on in our life, but we begin to see the world on the basis of what He desires. And it begins to radically change us. Let's pray. What a great privilege to call you Father. What a great opportunity we have to relate to the creator of the universe as our Father. And Father, this morning I I just ask for those who are online uh, or those here in the auditorium who are struggling with what it means to call you Father. We, We can do it with our mouth We can maybe even do with our mind, but we somehow don't sense in the depths of our souls that we are truly children. Father, we trust that you would give us trust. (laughs) Help us act as if what you say is true. It's really not about us. You went to the cross. You died in our place. You took any debt, any shame, and all that regret, all that stuff that that we think that we have to pay back. You took it all. And and you sit there with a a huge treasure chest of resources for us to take advantage of as your children. So I pray that you would help us make that connection. Those of us who made that connection, Father, we just ask that you would give us courage. Courage to to be what you have, you desire for us to be, to find that life that we've always wanted on the other side of our fear by beginning to figure out who is our neighbor. Father, you made it abundantly clear that. Everything that you were about when you left heaven and came to earth, all of the laws that you gave for the first half of the Bible, all of the truths that come through you in the second half of the Bible, all of that rests on that one very thing. That we would love our neighbors as if they were us. Give us that courage to pursue that kind of lifestyle.